the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. This is the student edition. Listen to the exciting story of the American Community Schools of Athens. Check out what drives all the members of our international community of learners as we create the education of the future. Here's John Papadakis. Learning is the basic idea behind schools. The importance of being a lifelong learner cannot be overstated, especially in our times of continuous progress and discovery of new knowledge created every day in every conceivable part of life. At the dawn of the age of artificial intelligence, young people seem uniquely qualified to understand and connect to that knowledge. And according to Sir Anthony Selden, Britain's leading contemporary historian and educationalist, we must be warned that nothing matters more than education if we are to see AI liberate, not infantilize humanity. With the overabundance of information available at our fingertips or through our augmented reality glasses or via the metaverse, it's becoming more and more critical that we know what information is knowledge and what knowledge can be useful and for what purpose. Students of international schools are being asked to make this distinction. How do we know that we know? What do we know? What is the extent of our knowledge? How are we to decide, in any particular case, whether we know? And what are the criteria of knowing? These are some of the questions that are at the heart of the Theory of Knowledge course. TOK students of the International Baccalaureate Diploma Program must consider them and attempt to answer through their work. These are questions that philosophers are pondering for centuries, with every era giving different answers. We are talking about higher level thinking here, and what a better way to learn than to understand and create knowledge from thinking about what is knowledge. IB students of ACS Athens gathered this year to present their TOK question and their findings at their annual exhibition of the Theory of Knowledge class that was held at the theater lobby of the school. We were there to see and hear from some of them. First, here's the ACS Athens IB Diploma Program Director, Mark McGowan. So, part of the TOK assessment of their TOK exhibition, as it's called, is to give the students an opportunity to exhibit what they've actually um, already written down as a commentary. So we gave them this space, and the idea was to not just allow people to casually come by, but we asked classes, other classes from the academy to come so that they could learn from our students. So there was this sort of symbiotic relationship. But what I think is most important for the TOK students is what what I've seen also is when they can orally articulate the ideas that they've already explored, they, they crystallize and clarify and even pose new questions for themselves. And I think that's where the true learning is complete. Honestly, when the students are, let's call it, forced to articulate what they're thinking, and even it gives us as teachers the opportunity to pose questions, I think it deepens their own knowledge. Whereas if they just wrote it down and they never had an opportunity, 
And I think the sense that they get, you give them pride in order to display what they've been doing in class, this is a very important aspect of education that I think we would like to propel forward. We want to see what they're learning, and they, I think, want to share that with the community. Um, and once they do that, I think they have a, a deeper thirst for learning, but also an appreciation of what they've actually done. One of the instructors of the TOK class is Mark Frangos. Okay, so the TOK exhibition is a uh, live exhibition we're holding here in the atrium um, where students choose three objects and try to connect them to one out of 35 prompts um, with such questions as what is the relationship between knowledge and culture or um, what is the relationship between personal experience and knowledge. Uh, the students then pick the three objects and try to connect them to the original prompt and each object should be a bit different than the other. Um, it's 950 words of writing and then they present it to the other students, uh, younger and older, to their peers um, throughout the, the, these two days. Students of the TOK class created exhibition booths with their artifacts and were there to explain their thought process and how they gained knowledge through this prompt. After the initial awkwardness in front of the microphone, students quickly focused on their work and were eager to talk about it. Okay, so my prompt is what role do experts play in influencing our consumption or acquisition of knowledge? And the theme is knowledge in the knower. So I use three objects where the experts play a different role in acquiring our knowledge. First is the face masks, which is a symbol of the global pandemic of COVID-19, where since it was a very uh, rapidly growing and newly formed virus, we didn't have any other information or background knowledge on it. So whoever wanted to take measures to protect themselves had to rely 100% only on experts' findings. Therefore, in this specific case, experts played the biggest role in our consumption and acquisition of knowledge. Then for the economics textbook and generally any textbook for a class that we have no background information on, experts again play the biggest role, but not the only role, because we can get like the first step of information needed to understand the subject, but also other experts such as our teachers, our common sense, uh, real world examples in use help enhance our understanding. So therefore, experts do not play the biggest role, but they still do. And my third object is lime seeds, which uh, is an example of how experts, again, play a big role when you want to research about nutrition and enhance your diet in a good way. For example, these seeds bring very good short-term and long-term benefits, such as health boosts. And <coughs> experts, again, play the biggest role in acquiring your knowledge on that, because for someone that doesn't have any background information on nutrition, but you could also then later see through your personal experience if their findings were correct and know how much you can rely on them. My experience was good. We had actually practiced before, so it was pretty easy to go through it. Hi, I'm doing prompt 20. What is the relationship between personal experience and knowledge? The theme being knowledge and the knower. 
I chose three objects, one of which is the Eudoxin skateboard brand, another one is A Raisin in the Sun, written by Lorian Hansberry, and the last one is the final chess move of the game between Bobby Fischer and Robert Spassky. Essentially, the difference between personal experience and knowledge. Knowledge is the collection of information, facts, and skilled skills over a period of time through means of education and personal experience. What this question does is it separates personal experience and knowledge as being less related, meaning it's mostly a comparison between personal experience and education. So, the first one on the spectrum, I would say, is the Eudoxin skateboard, as it relies most definitely on personal experience rather than education, as it takes motor skills, sensitivity, and a familiarity with the board in order to use. The next object is the book, A Raisin in the Sun, written by Lorraine Hansberry. This book was written in the 1950s, and it's also based on the 1950s. It is written by a young African-American woman living in Southside Chicago. Uh, she, she, when she was growing up, was born in a middle. <laughs> she was born in a middle-class family, and she writes about the younger family. They're known as the youngers. They are also Southside Chicago, African-American, but the difference is they are a working class. Meaning, she does have personal experience with the prejudice and etc. At the time. However, she does not have the education, the knowledge on specifically what it would be like for the working class. So, she learned through means of literature, uh, different performances, and other ways such as asking people and family members in order to get a deeper understanding of what it would be like for her writing. There, this, is, this book is a combination of both personal experience and knowledge here, or personal experience and education, as she has a familiarity with both in writing this. Same as law of literature, though. The last object is Robert Spassky versus uh, Bobby Fischer game, which is known as one of the best, if not the best or most famous chess game of all time. Bobby Fischer being white and Robert Spassky being black. The game ended in uh, Robert Spassky resigning to Bobby Fischer as he is put in an overly difficult position of which is pretty impossible to escape out of. Uh, so what this does is the fact that Bobby Fischer had clearly had a greater knowledge of chess, or at least a better strategy. This is not really specific to personal experience, as strategy can be obtained in chess through many means. It can be obtained through books, uh, different uh, workbooks of which you can decide the finishing moves in chess, and also practicing with other people or learning from other people. While it does relate to personal experience, majority of it is actually knowledge-based, as education is essentially the construct of chess, which also depends on people who are learning the game, such as myself. When I was six, I played against my own personal ch uh, chess master, and he beat me pretty hands down. But the reason for it is as I was trying to do the same moves as Bobby Fischer did in order to create my own victory. I had lesser personal experience than him, and obviously he has great knowledge than me. But the reason why he beat me is I played the moves quite perfectly that Bobby Fischer did. The reason is he recognized those moves as one, they're very common, and two, he clearly has a great education on the game. That is a factor that led into it. However, his personal experience would have not helped in this situation as it is a decisive move and you cannot exactly beat it after that. Meaning that the this is more educational slash knowledge based rather than personal experience, which provides a spectrum of a skateboard being personal experience based, literature being a ten, normally a mix of both, and the lastly is chess, which is educational based, knowledge based. 
Uh, my experience, uh, the first one is the skateboard that I practiced myself. Not, oh, not just the topic. <laughs> oh, my bad. In general, on the TOK part, the process of researching, learning, what was your experience? A quite overbearing amount of work. However, I think it was well worth it in the end. I got three objects that I relate pretty heavily to, two of which more than the others, as the Raisin of the Sun. It's just simply a book that I did in school. Uh, but I had a fairly positive experience. However, I'd rather it took less time and also the word count is very annoying. But apart from that, it went great. The prompt that I selected was what challenges are raised by the dissemination and or communication of knowledge. And the three objects that I chose is this uh, propaganda poster that was used in World War I to enlist men. The second one was the coronavirus vaccine, and the third one is a cartoon that uh, basically mimics uh, society's views on uh, media and everything related to media these days. So let's start with the coronavirus vaccine. So <laughs> basically the coronavirus vaccine is something very current and something that really captivated my attention because I'm also really interested in medicine and everything connected to that. So basically what I wanted to say through this, through the dissemination of knowledge is that it could penetrate the fanatics and basically that anti-vaxxers view on uh, various uh, coronavirus vaccines and this comes to show that anything scientifically proven can be turned into fact, uh, which could be seen through the um, advancement of various social media um, advertisements or anything connected to that, specifically Twitter. And then continuing to the I Want You for the U.S. Army, uh, it's used to enlist men in the war and bring them and promote nationalism and help evoke this feeling of patriotism. And I wanted to show that because of this poster, it could also be a propaganda poster, which could lead to dissemination of knowledge for the viewers that are seeing this uh, during the time. My promise, uh, what is the relationship between personal experiments and knowledge? So my first object is 2003 Columbia Space Shuttle disaster. There was a problem of foam spill that was found by the engineers at the beginning of the launch. But they didn't solve this problem, but they conduct the launch based on the evaluation and the assumption of how high this risk is. And uh, after the space shuttle has launched to the sky, it uh, broke apart very quickly and it caused seven astronauts died in this disaster. In this case, the disaster occurred as an experience to the engineers uh, like how they are gonna treat this kind of problem more seriously and this kind of thing eventually turn into knowledge to them and they will be more careful in the future to not make any mistakes in the future. My second object is a car crashed due to uh, autopilot system failure. Nowadays, this kind of new technology uh, is very interesting to people uh, like to buy and try out how they are going to work. But they do not how reliable this is when they are actually using it. In this case, this car has crashed heavily. Uh, so the driver can, ex uh, can know uh, can this experiment to them is as a uh, like result of over-relying on the autopilot uh, auto system. And so over here is failure caused very, very serious consequence. And the, the experiments from this eventually turned into knowledge that they will know it's not reliable enough, at least it's not 
uh, as reliable as the a real man who is driving in the car. And my third object is the Chinese astronaut Yang Liwei. And as he recalled, my organs are like crust and it's almost unbearable. This is a problem that caused by resonance when the spaceship was launching into the sky. And after he also said something that which states, our spaceship is now very comfortable, which means that the problem of resonance has been solved. Uh, his feedback as uh, his feedback as the experience that contributes to our uh, field of study of aviation right now, and the, the engineers will gain knowledge from his experience that he provided uh, in the future to build in order to build a better spaceship. For this exhibition, I've chosen three objects in order to answer the question how important are material tools in the production or acquisition of knowledge. So the first object I've selected is the piano. And I believe that only learning theory is, which can be uh, acquired without, the, without a material tool if it's through another person. Although still theories learn from books and other material tools and so yeah I believe that you can't learn the piano without actually playing it um, which shows how important it is in the production for, of knowledge um, the, my second object that I've selected is an x-ray and x-rays yeah an x-ray machi machine sorry um, and x-rays throughout time uh, ever since they were invented they have helped doctors um, they've helped with discoveries in geography they've helped with and countless things as well as a compass my third object um, which shows how important they are for the production of knowledge as they provide something that humans can't see themselves um, as can compasses, uh, they influenced early exploration and navigation greatly and led to many discoveries uh, around the world. Um, I learned that any three objects can be connected to producing or acquiring knowledge. The question I chose for my TOK prompt was uh, how might the context in which knowledge is presented influence whether it is accepted or rejected? And so I chose these three objects as like because uh, in the context, the time in which they were made or presented, uh, in my opinion, had a great effect on how it was taken by the audience and how it, how it was, you know, perceived by the audience. And so my first object was uh, a musical album called Trench by a band called 21 Pilots. And uh, the thing about this album is that it was released in uh, 2018, the, the, which was the next album after their groundbreaking release of uh, Blurry Face, their previous album. And Blurry Face was this album that basically ex exploded the, the band and it made, it made them extremely famous and it made them who they are today. But uh, as a result of that, they had this huge fan base and this great reputation. And so when this new project came along, Trench, uh, many people were sort of skeptical or suspicious as to how it would sound and it, whether they would like it or not. And like, because uh, in this album, Trench, uh, 21 Pilots used very little motifs or anything in common with their previous album Blurry Face and so as a result many people uh, you know saw that this the, that the new album was 
not that good or it didn't sound that well. And some people really liked it, saying that it sounded very much more mature compared to Blurry Face and things like that. And so that's the context in which it was presented. It was presented in the context of their previous, you know, the reputation of Blurryface. And so as a result, it would influence, it influenced how it was, how Trench was taken by the audience. Uh, this, new, this next object is a video game called God of War, uh, released in 2018. And it was, uh, this game is part of a, a large franchise, franchise, also called God of War, which was started back in like 2005. And so the game was all about this main character, uh, Kratos, who was uh, he 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 was in he lived in Greece and it was all about his journey about uh, how he was basically like this ball of anger, ball of fury, and how he wanted to get revenge on the Greek gods who wronged him in the past. And uh, yeah, the third one is uh, a YouTube channel called Unus Honus, which is Latin for the word for one year. And basically, this channel was a collaboration between two creators uh, in order to create one video every day for one year. Uh, and, and basically, they had a message that uh, they wanted to tell people, and it was that they wanted to remind them to enjoy every day in life because their time was limited. And so after the one year was done with Unus Honest, they deleted every single video on the channel and the channel itself to sort of depict that it died or death. And they just wanted <clears throat> the whole message of the album, the YouTube channel, like I said, was just that they wanted to remind people that their time was limited and they should enjoy every day. And the fact that it was made during like the COVID-19 era, obviously it influenced a lot how it, the impact of the message itself, because I feel like it would, if it was released any other time, the message wouldn't have been as impactful. But because it was released during COVID-19, it had way bigger of an effect. Uh, I think it was very much more rewarding than I thought it would be. Because I also I learned a lot, a lot more than I thought I would about these objects that I thought I knew a lot. I thought I knew a lot about. So my problem is, what constraints are there on the pursuit of knowledge? And here are the three objects I have. The first object is called the Volnich manuscript, and one of the interesting for this manuscript is we cannot understand and read the language written on it. And there are two reasons I consider of why we cannot understand the language. The first reason is there are a lot of scientists who are trying to use different methods and ways to find the pattern or the logic to create this knowledge. And this may be one of, one of the constraints on the pursuit of knowledge. The logic that creates this language may be outside of our logical system. Another reason is maybe that this language is an individual language, meaning only a few people can read and understand the language. Therefore, it takes time for us to find those people and spread the language and the knowledge written on this book. The second object is the Hubble telescope. And uh, we all know that the Hubble telescope is one of the most successful scientific instruments that, that is ever built. And it truly brings us a lot of pictures of the universe, lots of resources. But at the same time, it may show that humans are dependent on technology too much. And this may be one of the constraints on the pursuit of knowledge. The, another reason may be the nature constraints of the pursuit of, the pursuit of knowledge. Let's say the telescope is trying to observe a planet that is 10 light years away. And then what we see, the, t the planet is not at the present time, but 10 light years, uh, 10 light years away ago, uh, 10 light years ago, right? <laughs> yes. So 
the reason for this is a function of the human eyes and the telescope. We need the light to travel inside our eyes in order to observe. So it takes time for the light to travel. And the speed of light is a representation of the nature constraints uh, on the pursuit of knowledge. The third object is the Einstein's brain. And Einstein's brain was taken out by Dr. Thomas Harvey without his consent. And Dr. Thomas Harvey slides Einstein's brain into several pieces and send them to neuroscientists to try and to figure out why Einstein is that intelligent. And assume a lot of so social and ethical criticism are attacked on Dr. Thomas Harvey. And this shows that ethical reasons may be also one of the constraints on the pursuit of knowledge. And this object, Einstein's brain, may also show that humans are trying to always trying to find what's outside of the universe, uh, what is trying, what is underneath the Earth, right? But we forget to find out how we think, how the human brain functions, and maybe when we understand how our brain functions, we can understand why what makes us different with other species, and that may also help us to find like aliens outside the universe of those things yeah it's really hard and uh, I find it very it gives me a development of the think oppositely like the Hubble telescope it, it is supposed to bring us a lot of knowledge but it may also show the concern on the pursuit of knowledge and this is one of the things I learned that everything has two sides You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. This is the student edition. We are in the middle of this year's IB Theory of Knowledge exhibition for the 21-22 academic year, where IB students talk about their TOK prompt, their findings, and experience from this process. My prompt is on what grounds might we doubt a claim and the first object that I chose was um, a photograph called a view from the window at Lake Rock and that's considered to be the first photo ever taken and uh, in connection to my prompt um, since there is he used this technique called heliography to take the photo um, my I basically argued in my exhibition that there it has a link to the consensus theory of truth that has only reached its title as the first photo because maybe of convenience and that's what's led to the widespread agreement that it's the first photograph ever taken since um, it was what was released but he also must have tested this technique first which would have led to photographs being taken prior to this and other people might have used this technique before him so it does have uncertainty embedded within its title as the first photograph ever taken and my second object is the Ten Commandments, which is an integral like part of the Jewish religion, Islamic religion, and the Christian religions. And in connection to my prompt, since um, by a widespread group of people that are considered to be universal absolute truths, I disputed this in my exhibition since, since based on different belief systems such as 
secular moralism. Um, the, some people might argue with the existence of absolute truths as a whole, a universal absolute truths that one must follow. And my last object is um, Einstein's equation of special relativity, specifically the expression for time dilation. Since the last object I chose, um, I chose it since it's something that we often take for granted, especially as we have manual towers of time, such as clocks all around us. Um, but it was really interesting to, to me through my research that time can be re time is relative, basically, because uh, based on one's proximity to a gravitational mass, they might report different values values of time than other people based on their proximity. So that was a really interesting like research that I did in connection to my prompt and the exhibition since I hadn't considered that before, that that could be disputed because it's something that we all take for granted is time. So. Well, it's definitely been um, very, really interesting considering objects or choosing these objects and looking at them from different, really different perspectives that I hadn't before and considering new ways and also like my since my prompt is on what grounds might we doubt something. So it's really opened me up to um, maybe considering new perspectives of things that I hold true and how that came to be. Like, how did I form those assumptions that something is true? So that's definitely something that I gained from this. My prompt for the TOK exhibition was what is the relationship between personal experience and knowledge? And I used three different objects to link to it. One of them is Ryan White, who was a child in the 1980s, who was one of the first children to get AIDS um, during a time where a lot of people were uneducated on the matter and didn't really know how it was transmitted and had a lot of stereotypes connected to it. So Ryan and his family um, spread awareness and educate people which contributed to their knowledge on the matter and debunked a lot of myths. Um, my second object is anesthesia and specifically how I was discovered. Um, it was discovered when um, a doctor went to a certain workshop at a university in Connecticut where somebody was using laughing gas on multiple volunteers to show its effects and one of the volunteers was injured and but he himself didn't recall any pain in his leg so this made a lot of scientists that were there ask a lot of questions and become really curious about this and then eventually through many experiments this contributed to the knowledge on the effects and applications of laughing gas in dentistry and then my third object um, is my first piano book because I play piano since four years old and I connected to this prompt because piano is something that you can't just learn through reading or research you also need a lot of personal hands-on experience and through this book that was very simple at the time. I progressed to harder pieces and eventually, you know, recitals and examinations. Um, and I reached a point where I felt like I knew the instrument really well. And so through this exhibition, I gained more perspective on how personal experience and general knowledge like reading and using the internet can work together in order to add to everyone's awareness. My experience was that a lot of the time throughout our daily lives, we don't sit and, you know, question um, things like this but when you sit down and look into it and you see that a lot of these prompts can contribute and connect to your daily life and show how everything is interlinked and how asking questions can contribute to your own knowledge.
Uh, so my prompt is how might the context in which knowledge is presented influence whether it is accepted or rejected? Uh, the first picture I chose is uh, in fact a cover of the book The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. So the way uh, it, this book is affected by its context is because, so you might know it, the, um, the main character is Shmel. He's a Jewish, uh, Jewish child that was born in a Nazi family. So he is given automatically when he's born the, ide the ideologies of the Nazi party and he doesn't have a way to think about something else and like other opinions in the world so and as we know in this book it ends really bad because he um, he dies in the showers in the concentration camp the second picture uh, the second picture is a picture that was taken in 1940 it's called the London milkman uh, the, the context is really important because this picture is in fact staged it's supposed to show that workers in London are getting back to work as uh, we can see um, man a worker with uh, a lab coat a lab uh, a white coat and uh, milk bottles but it's in fact staged so yeah this is really important because as we know the context it changes the meaning and the significance of this picture lastly this is my cross chain um, this is uh, was the first one I chose because I w it was given to me when I was a uh, children and automatically I wore it because my parents gave it to me and because they're religious I really had this religion like transferred to me and I couldn't think about other religions but when I grew older I kind of stopped wearing it because I I didn't realize I realized I wasn't that religious so yeah this is how context affects this necklace uh, this was really beneficial because uh, it really takes a prompt and you realize how like how many things you can write about a single picture and yeah you can take anything like object anything and it just yeah just relating it to the prompt was really beneficial to me as well. I'm an IB year one student and my prompt was what is the relationship between personal experience and knowledge? Um, so the three objects that I chose were based on this prompt, meaning that I chose the prompt first and then I selected my three objects. So my first object is a bathtub. Well, that sounds weird and different. I chose this bathtub because of Archimedes and how he was a mathematician and physicist and he was the one that discovered the principle of buoyancy. And I focused on how this object of a bathtub resulted in the personal experience of how Archimedes like went into the bathtub and then the water rose and that showed how he obtained the knowledge that wouldn't have been obtained without this personal experience. So instead of choosing like an image of Archimedes, I chose the bathtub because I feel like it reflects the experience in a better way. Um, I wanted to connect to a figure that has changed science and I wanted to do it with a, let's say, weirder object. So the second object I chose was a blood test and this was because I like medicine and I thought that it would be interesting to show a different viewpoint of experience, of personal experience and knowledge because for a doctor to obtain information on a patient, they don't need personal experience of what they've done, what they've eaten, their exercise. They can tell everything just from a blood test and a blood sample, which I find very interesting. So this shows a different approach of the object and of the prompt in general, because we see how through the bathtub, personal experience was needed, 
um, for the discovery of buoyancy, but through the blood test, there is no need for personal experience. And now I tied it into my roots from my village, which was the stone house, which is the final um, object. And it, I based it on how traditional stone building was passed on from generations of people. And this was only done through the personal experience of actually building and putting each stone together and learning from experienced teachers how this process is done. And I believe that this this learning is very important how because if if the if they didn't have personal experience, the knowledge would not be created. So I want to conclude by saying how important personal experience is in various scenarios, but how we also do not necessarily need it in scenarios like the blood test or different um, medical tests. It was very interesting how it could connect three very, very different objects. I mean, a blood test, a bathtub, and a stone house. They're so different, but I could connect them um, with one prompt, the how personal experience uh, expands and connects knowledge. And I feel like it was, it was a great personal experience and I learned a lot. I'm a junior at ACS Athens, and I'm investigating unknowability. What is unknowable? The concept of unknowability is a very peculiar one, which falls as the centerpiece of many philosophical discussions and debates. If we know that we cannot know something, then do we truly know anything at all, or do we not? This answer cannot have an easy answer. We cannot simply say that this is knowable and this is unknowable. However, we can investigate the theme of unknowability through several different objects. For example, telescopes. Telescopes have basically served as the window of humanity into the cosmos, allowing us vision and knowledge about distant parts of space which we would otherwise have no idea about. For example, just 20 years ago, humanity had almost no knowledge of exoplanets, when today we know that there are millions of them. However, at the same time, telescopes also leave many gaps. They're not perfect machines, they're not perfect instruments, and because of their many limitations, as well as the laws of physics, there are still massive amounts of space which are left and are practically invisible. Furthermore, let's investigate the theme of that of chess. Say that again. Furthermore, let's investigate the unknowability of another object in a completely different domain, more specifically chess. For decades, people have uh, theorized whether chess can be solved or not. Unfortunately, because there are so many combinations, it is impossible. There are approximately 10 to the 80 number, there are 10 to the 80 atoms in the universe. However, the number of chess positions is much lower than that, 10 to the 125. It is unfortunately simply out of our computational capabilities to solve chess once and for all. Most experts, however, do theorize that the game is a draw. Most engines agree with this evaluation at depths of around 20 moves, which means they look at around the next 20 moves. However, we still can't know if White's first move advantage ultimately can allow him to force a win. Finally, let's investigate the antithetical mechanism, which is a peculiar artifact that was found over 100 years ago off the shore of a remote island in Greece. This peculiar machine served different functions with cogs, which the scientists initially did not know what to make of, since humans back then were not supposed to be able to construct such mechanical constructions.
the entity theorem mechanism has been suggested to be a clock of sorts that tracks several different events, including the Olympics, uh, the Zodiacs, and the season. However, because this happened so long ago, and because we cannot recreate the past, it is very likely that we will never be able to replicate it and figure out its exact purposes unless we get lucky and find some similar machine in the ancient, from the ancient world. To finish, many things from many different domains are noble, including our cosmos and telescopes, chess, a very simple, a relatively simple game, and the antithetical mechanism, a peculiar artifact from the ancient world. How, it's not about what is a noble, but what we can know, and we must never forget to never stop on our pursuit of knowledge. From this experience, I learned that you must figure out how you know what's a noble. While I was investigating my objects, I came across parts of them that were a noble, which served as the centers of my exhibition. But only later on, I learned that I had to investigate how it was a noble. For example, in my telescope object, the nobility comes from the limitations of physics, the laws of physics, as well as the limitations of telescopes. In chess, it comes from the magnitude of possibilities, as well as our computational capabilities, and the antithetical mechanism, it mainly relates to archaeology and the fact that we simply cannot replicate the past. My prompt is, does our knowledge depend on our interactions with other knowers? And the three objects I chose that connect to this prompt are the periodic table of elements and the discovery of the DNA model and a ticket to an opera performance um, uh, featuring the, um, art, the pieces of Verdi. Um, so the periodic table of elements was built based on um, the basis of Mendeleev's um, essentially planning of how the periodic table of elements was going to be built. And then after him, since he predicted specific spots for elements that he didn't know back then, um, other scientists came in and they understood those physical properties and chemical properties that he had predicted and said like, oh, this element is the element that should be in the place of the periodic table. And an example of this is gallium, which is next to aluminium, which um, back then Mendeleev said that the place next to aluminium was to be called aluminum, and then they found that the similar physical and chemical properties to aluminium was gallium, and they placed it next to the place in aluminium in the periodic table. And that's how we see the interaction between two knowers um, building knowledge that we know now, which is really important, and we use the periodic table all the time. Then the model of DNA. Um, so it's all started with um, Watson and Crick, a geneticist and a physicist that um, needed more information about genetics. And essentially, DNA is the model that essentially guides everything that we know in genetics. And since they didn't know much about it, they had to figure out how this model is built and how we see DNA. So they were trying to build the model of how the DNA looks because they didn't know what it was. And um, through a bunch of model making, uh, they figured out a couple of models, but they needed more information. So they interacted with this other scientist, Rosalind Franklin, who was an x-ray crystallographer. 
and based on the findings that she had from testing DNA and doing x-ray crystallography scans, they figured out that the DNA was a double helix and essentially this discovery is, was very important for the science world and genetics and allowed us to understand more things about biology and everything else. Um, I got to understand that essentially we need to interact with other people in order to gain knowledge because ourselves we can't figure things out. We need other people to help us and exchange ideas and figure out how everything works. Listening to the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Make sure you subscribe to the Owlcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This has been a production of the ACS Athens Media Studio.